East Lothian, Edinburgh's coast and countryside has so much to offer. With 40 miles of stunning coastline and gentle rolling landscape, it's the perfect place to relax and enjoy the great outdoors. Hello, I'm Fat, and in this travel podcast series, I'll be chatting to experts to help you discover the hidden gems, the finest food and drink, and the coastal treasures. Plus, we'll be stepping back in time to hear about the historical wonders right here in East Lothian. Welcome to the Visit East Lothian podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Roger Powell, one of the rangers here in East Lothian. Hello, Roger. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Happy to be here. So today we're going to be talking about all things coastal, aren't we? Tell us a little bit about what you do day to day and when did this passion for this type of work begin for you? Well, yeah, I'll start with what we do on a day-to-day basis. We are, as countryside rangers here, we're responsible for looking after the countryside sites that are owned or, or managed by East Lothian Council. We've got quite a big portfolio. We've got over 30 sites in the county and that's wildlife and habitat conservation, as well as visitor management Um, health and safety responsibilities. We're also involved in things like environmental interpretation, education, that's on site or online even, face-to-face with everything from school groups all the way up to community organisations. Passion for this type of work? Well, I grew up on the edge of a town which had easy access to the sort of nearby open countryside and I spent an awful lot of my youth out and about exploring it, you know, get on the bike and just go out all day. That was kind of encouraged by parents and grandparents, um, encouraging my interest in in wildlife. And the move towards transforming the hobby into a full time job was largely shaped up at university. So yeah, that that's where I come from. And what is so special about the coastal areas of East Lothian? It's the variety of habitats and countryside that we have. We've got like long sandy beaches to the rocky shores, organic rich mud flats, estuaries, cliffs. Um, coastal grasslands, as well as, of course, the offshore islands, which are popular with seabirds and seals because of the lack of human disturbance. And you've got all that in in one small county. And, and talk to me about uh, the Leavenhall links. What what is this? If, if if to someone who's never seen it before and never even heard of it, how could you describe it? Well, it's um, at Musselburgh, um, and it's an area that was claimed from the sea to accommodate ash from the bottom of the furnaces of Kakenzie Power Station. This is a pulverised fuel ash after the coal's been burnt. But it's undergone major restoration. In many cases, you wouldn't know that that's what it had been. It's, it's, a lot of it's been restored beautifully. It's gone major restoration to form wet areas for wading birds and wildfowl, pockets of woodland and rough grassland as well. Um, and it's become one of the best birdwatching sites in Scotland not just because of the the variety of habitats created there, which attract everything from the waders and wildfowl I've mentioned to smaller songbirds, but also the great views across the Firth of Forth from the seawall, where you may see a number of seabird species. We we get a lot of bird watchers coming here from near and far, really, but but people who come out here regularly from Edinburgh and surrounding areas, just because it's such a good place to come and see a variety of species. And the work's just begun to transform the last two ash lagoons into wildlife habitats so one's going to be a wetland area with small islands on it for roosting wading birds and the other is going to be um, converted into a a damp grassland habitat for a mixture of things including a a wide variety of invertebrates. Is is there, am I right in thinking, an occasional rarity that attracts bird watchers? Yeah we we get um, many what we'll call so-called passage migrants, that's birds that will drop in on their journeys near you know when they're heading north or south on migration and things like um, curly sandpiper, little stint and 
Four years ago, the visitors to the site were actually surprised to see up to about six short-eared owls flying around the site. These are day-flying owls that prefer open grassland and moorland habitats. And they've been a good year for breeding voles. And the passing owls have discovered this, and they stuck around for a few weeks. Also, um, I remember some years ago, we had a Western sandpiper turn up. It's, it's an American wading bird. It was only about the third record for the UK. And in one weekend, we had 3,000 bird watchers from all over the country turn up to see it. It sounds like a fantastic place to visit, even if you just want to to unwind, regardless yeah, it, of whether or not you're into bird watching at all. Yeah, it, 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 I think if you're walking around there, you wouldn't realise that you are, you know, right on the edge of Edinburgh and sandwiched between Mosselburgh and Peston Pans. You, you can you can at times feel as if you're in the right out in the countryside in the middle of nowhere, just because of the way that it's been designed and and um, you know the, the open green space is there. So it's a great place for local people, particularly who come and. And, and walk there but also like I said for for a variety of visitors looking for you know just a bit of different experience you know because you can as well as walking through the bits of woodland open grassland you can walk around the sea wall and you've got great views across the Firth the Forth so it's a great place to come for a for a walk. And then Roger tell me about the, the high spot at Fernie Ness because everyone loves a good view. <laughs> they do that's right yeah it's not so much a high spot as a as a promontory that juts out into the Firth the Fourth at Long Nidry. And again, it's another great place to sea watch. But again, not just not just places, you know, you can see birds here, obviously, and it, as you can all along the coast, but it happens to face down the Firth the Fourth. So you can look right down to the Fourth Bridges. And on a clear day, they're really obvious. And looking back that way, you've got the whole of Arthur Seat and the um, Pentland Hills from there as well and of course across to the offshore islands and over towards the hills of Fife so it's a really good viewing spot and a lot of people do come down here for particularly for people who are not as mobile they'll come and you know they don't have to walk very far or they can sit in their car or they can sit on just just sit out on the promontory there and just enjoy that fantastic view now i'm not entirely sure whether i'm going to be pronouncing this properly you can tell me uh, long nidri bents that's it yeah. so that's a fantastic long sandy beach what sort of views can we expect to see there well that's the same bit that's the bit that joins on to where Fernie Ness is so um the area behind the, the sandy as well as being a good long sandy beach and you know and great for the kids as well it's got fantastic coastal grasslands just behind it as well so if you're particularly interested in in wildflowers we've recorded over 200 species of plants along the bench and you wouldn't rec- you wouldn't know that when you come there immediately you look at it and you think okay it's a thin strip of land there but the coastal grasslands are particularly rich um, and if you're looking for some of the more obvious things that turn up there things like bloody cranesbill cluster bellflower hairy violet these things um uh, come at different times of the year and not so long from now we'll be getting an awful lot of the bright yellow cowslip turning up so it changes color d- depending upon what season you're in and uh, yeah, the, the exposure to the sea air, I suppose, keeps them the more vigorous species in check and allows these rarer species to grow. So it's a good place for that as well. But yeah, the, the big long sandy beach is, is very, very popular with people for long walks and great for the kids, obviously, on the sand there. Oh, that sounds uh, very much up my street, I have to say, Roger, because I don't know what's happened to me over the last 12 months, but I've developed a bit of a fascination for horticulture. Ah. (laughs) I'm not not joking when I say that. It just really fascinates me. So uh, it sounds like a brilliant place to go and visit and see loads of different plant Mm. species there as well. Not to mention the the rock pools here. What what actually is that? I mean, I I know what it is, but if you could describe to someone who doesn't know what a rock pool is, what what, 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 what would they expect to see? Yeah, we've got um, um, so low tides, um, um, particularly off the. If there are three car parks along the Jubents, and the middle car park, if you if you if you're going from there and walk down onto the beach, 
just just across the way you've got all these rocky promontories and 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 and, and rocky outcrops there and amongst them there's a lots of very small tidal pools when the tide goes out it just it just leaves some of the water in these depressions and form these pools and they are one of the best rocky shores for the sheer variety of species in the whole of east lothian so you know we're getting things like shore crabs edible crabs hermit crabs lots of different crabs as well as things like common starfish brittle stars lots of rock pool fish sea anemones those sorts of things and lots of different types of seaweed as well so they're really worth going on to exploring and and and, and turning over some of the rocks to see what's underneath them because these things like to hide you know when the tide's out but if you look and, and start turning over some of the stones to look you'll find lots and lots of things out there uh, it's one of the one of the only places that we find one of my favorite creatures, which is a thing called a bootlace worm, which is a long, thin species of ribbon worm, which can reach many, many meters in length, you know, the sort of average lengths. They can reach as long as a double-decker bus, though they're usually cool, found curled up tightly into sort of like a brown mass. And it's only when you pick them up, they start to unravel and you realize you've got this huge, great long thing sitting and, in your hand. And, and tell me, Robert, uh, Roger, why that's your favorite species. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, most people go for things like crabs and things, whatever. But it, yeah, it's just because it's such an unusual thing. And I always love it when I find it. And it's great when you've got groups and you find one and you show the kids and you start to unravel it and it gets longer and longer and longer. And they're all going, wow, look at that. You know? oh my um, and it goodness. just goes to show you the sort of really unusual things that you can find in, uh, you know, in, in on rock pools. Absolutely. And things you probably didn't realize existed. I mean, I'd be running for miles if you showed me that, Rogers, I, ha- I have to say. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so there's a there's a, a fascination for fossils that a lot of many that, that many people have. You know, which spot yeah. in East Lothian should we head to to see uh, fossils? Probably the best site to go to is an area between what the, the White Sands and Barnes Nest. So these are two sites linked to each other, really, east of Dunbar. And they are the the area between White Sands and Barnes is very rich in fossils from um, what was known as the, the Carboniferous period. So that, that's around, you know, between 350 to 320 million years ago, if you cast your mind back. Um, I remember it well. Are, yeah. <laughs> there are fossilized corals everywhere. So these are sort of like curly shaped sort of things in the rock. You find them everywhere. They're things like, um, they come things spaghetti coral because they look a bit like that sort of embedded in the rock and you can't miss those. But the same rocks also contain fossils of things called brachiopods, which are a group of almost extinct now shellfish and things called crinoids which are their relatives are sea urchins and starfish so they look a bit like sort of a feather duster on the end of a stalk um, and you can see particularly the stalk bit um, gets preserved in the fossils also if, if you go along you'll notice on the beach there in the rocks there are these number of small round craters which are the holes that have been left behind by um, ancient club mosses so these are um, uh, things which would grow to the size of, of trees do today they're not trees um they're an ancient form of plant but they grew that sort of size back when dinosaurs were around and they grew could grow many feet in height but also if you look at the exposed rock face and there's some there's some um, you can see all the different layers um and if you are there have a look for the really thin black layer which is the layer of coal between some of the other sediments on there so yeah it's a great place to find all these things so yeah. there's also a beautiful coastal walk at white sands at barnes ness isn't there yeah Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, uh, White Sands named because of the, the, the real beautiful pale coloured beach you get there, which is a sort of, you know, an off white colour. It really is quite bright. So that's nice in itself. But if you go, it leads around the cliffs to where the rocky shore is at Barnes Ness. And then you've got the coastal grassland beyond that. So you can walk for quite a long distance along that stretch of coast. Um, it's another one, another area which is rich in wildflowers. 
we've got an area of coastal grassland there, which we we have a local farmer put sheep on over the winter for the, because the grazing helps to keep the sword short and allows the rarer species to come through. But again, you've got good views out to sea. And as well as the seabirds, on this part of the coast, you may be lucky enough to spot otters. Oh, and what about dolphins as well? Did I, did I hear that you yeah, see dolphins? Yeah, you would need to keep, need to keep scanning the sea. But um, we have noted small pods of bottlenose dolphin moving up and down the coast here. And they often do that not far offshore. The promontory behind the lighthouse is really quite a good viewing point. But you, you have to sort of sit around there and watch for quite a long time, you know, and, and, and get lucky. But yeah, we have seen them frequently moving in groups up and down that bit of the coast. Now, Roger, this all sounds phenomenal. And I imagine anyone that's listening would, would want to, to visit right away with immediate effect. But <laughs> tell me about responsible tourism, because that's important to you. And I don't think we're very aware of it. And, and what it actually means. Yeah, well, our coast gets a lot of visitors every year, but it's very important for its unique wildlife. And it has a number of designations for that. So Triple SI, the site of special scientific interest. It's also um, um, the coast along is Ramsar site, which is a, um, a, an international designation because of its birds, bird life out on the, on the, on the sea there. But, you know, it, it, it's got vulnerable habitats. You know, at, at the vagaries of things like wind, rain, tide, you know, as well as all the footfall of people there. So when we when people come, we do ask them to respect that environment and to minimize their impact on it. So things like, you know, take your litter home, don't light fires, follow the local information that we put out on signs and directly, obviously, from countryside rangers who are out and about there. I think it's also um, about respecting others. Because there are people come down there for lots of different reasons, you know, they come in for bird watching, they're coming to run around on the beach with the kids, coming to walk the dog, that sort of thing. So it, it's actually just being aware of other people that, that um, and how they're using it. So, for example, if you're a dog walker, keeping your dog under control when you're out and being aware of the, the other user groups that are around. And particularly if people, some people come to the beach who don't like dogs, you know, um, it's, it, it's that sort of thing. Absolutely. And it's, I guess it's just being considerate of people that live in those areas as well. Yeah, it, it is too, yeah. So so consider it of local people. So, you know, you know, if you're driving out to these places where you're parking, that sort of thing, so you're not, you know, interrupting anybody um, who lives in the area. But also, um, I think a lot of people come out to the countryside and, and, and they come out meaning well, but, you know, and they don't see a lot of the wildlife, you know, um, um, but it is there. So, you know, whatever you do can affect it. So it's always just being aware of that, that, you know, just behaving in a way that that means that you you know that you're not causing any problems to the wildlife and to other people as you're visiting you know so that everybody has a great time when they come absolutely and i guess it's about not parking in people's front doors as well so there, i think there's an app for that isn't there roger so they, they can tell people where they can park when they're out in the country there is yeah there's um there's a an app coming out called the visit east lothian app which has um it's got a traffic light system on it so you can search for your preferred parking location. And these are the coastal car parks. And if it says green, it means it's quiet. Amber means it's getting a bit busy. And if it's red, it means it's either very busy or it's full. And it's recommended that you don't come to that spot and you find somewhere else. So the app should make it easy to check other locations nearby and hope you to find a quieter spot. I think in addition as well, you can see what the main facilities are and the amenities at each site. Um, any cafes or attractions that there are in the local area that you might want to visit. And um, I think it's even got searches and for accommodation if you happen to be planning a longer trip to East Lothian. 
well, one thing I'm asking everyone at the end of the podcast is if they could sum up why East Lothian was so special to them, what would they say? And I'd like to hear what you have to say here. <laughs> I think I've, as I've previously mentioned, that the, the range of habitats in a relatively small area, I've always been surprised. And, and I've done this in the past as well, where we, before I moved to the area, is you, you, you drive straight through and head to Edinburgh and beyond. But it's got a massive number of beautiful habitats all in one very small place we've got as well as the coast you know we've got lovely riverside walks we've got beautiful woodlands great network of paths um through open countryside um finally um the lammermuir hills which is one of my favorite areas to escape to actually well that all sounds absolutely wonderful roger thank you very much for your time it's been really really fascinating to learn more about the coast and actually all about the the different kind of nooks and crannies of uh, of, of east lothian that people probably weren't aware of thank you very much thanks for listening you can head over to visit eastlothian.org to discover even more unique experiences right here within minutes from edinburgh and don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast so more people can discover the true beauty of east lothian i'll see you next time